Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. American culture is at a crossroads. I'm Kira Davis, and in my new book, Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas, I challenge conservative Americans to stop retreating from the culture. I help you think critically through the pressing cultural issues of our day and offer practical advice and solutions. It's time for conservatives to make themselves uncomfortable and get engaged, get inspired, get moving, and get winning. Pick up a copy of my book, Drawing Lines, available on Amazon at faithfultext.com or wherever books are sold. This is the FCB Podcast Network. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't stay, that we won't stay. All we got is us, no one can take that away. Okay. 
Hey everybody, I had such a great time talking to Brandon Morse about movies and TV and race swapping and all of the politically correct stuff that ruins a good entertainment experience. Unfortunately, I was, I've been having technical issues with my equipment and you'll notice that on my side of the conversation, there are occasional clicks and my voice drops out a little bit. I want to apologize for these technical difficulties. I'm very embarrassed, but I don't want to waste this really great conversation. So I hope it's not too annoying. I hope you can get through the conversation. I just wanted to let you know I'm aware of the issue. I'm working to fix it. And in the meantime, I hope that you enjoy this conversation I had with Brandon. I know I did, and I'm definitely going to have him back in the very near future to continue the conversation. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Catch you later. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another JLTY Plus. I've got a really special guest today, a really cool conversation um, in store. I have my colleague, uh, one of the senior editors at Red State, Brandon Morse. Brandon is also um, a streamer. He's a new dad. You might hear his baby in the background <laughs> here and there. Um, and he's a longtime friend of mine. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we have been friends for a really, really long time. Yeah. Like we used to work at Every Joe. Remember that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I was thinking about it when we were at CPAC. I was at CPAC this past week. You weren't, but I was there. You did not miss anything. I but I was so I heard. Yeah, I was thinking about you because it was so um sparse you know normally there'd be like twenty thousand people there and i think i heard they had like four or five thousand attendees this year it was really yeah it was very very small and which is a completely opposite of the tpusa america fest that we went to that's why i was thinking of you because we had gone to the tpusa conference and i was telling people about how we had just been there and how it was Mm -hmm. what cpac always wanted to be and what cpac kind of used to be at least buzz wise and vibe wise you know obviously it was that times a thousand because they had the fog machines and djs and it was crazy but i was like it seems like that's the direction that we're going in but one of the reasons why i was thinking of you is because i always think of you as my culture buddy we talk about culture a lot we're both really engaged in the culture and you wrote an awesome article this week that really got me thinking and it's been something that i've been rolling around in my mind for a long time and so I asked if you would come on the show and you graciously agreed to come on the show. So the name of the article that Brandon wrote this week is it's at Red State. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, you can go there and find it. Just look up his name. That's the easiest way to do it probably. And then <laughs> click on his library. Our search function at Red State is not optimal to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not the best. It really isn't. It's very annoying, but that's. I trust Google more than I do our. It's true. Trust, our our uh, search engine. It's true. That's some inside <laughs> baseball, but it is very true. So if you just click on his name, all of his articles will will come up, and he did write this this month, um, in March. Uh, the name of the article is "What's Behind the Modern Obsession with Race Swapping." And Brandon, you wrote this article after you saw that the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated. Is it the ser- is it a series or a movie that's coming out? It looks like it's a new series. Um but it, I I could be wrong. I, I I hope I'm wrong. Um it might just be a a singular 
movie it, it, either way i don't think that matters to me it's just it's it's another attempt to court modern audiences right and so the issue at issue is that april o'neill who like for those of us gen xers april o'neill is like the hot redhead chick that kind of has a weird almost sexual relationship with the teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> I, I don't know it seemed normal when i was a kid it seemed perfectly normal Same. yeah now yeah. now that i'm an adult i'm like mm, that's questionable <laughs> yeah now it's like uh i need to go back and relook at everything <laughs> that i thought was like oh it's their it's their plucky news reporter friend <laughs> but she was always hot you know this hot yeah. redhead chick and they have swapped her out in this new version for a i don't know how to to put this gently i mean i say this as a for as a as a fellow dumpy person <laughs> like rather like round dumpy uh black <laughs> sort of modern version of april o'neill not the april o'neill that we've seen over the years and to a totally different rendition of april o'neill even removing all of the attractiveness or dare i say sexuality out of the the character and that just triggered you so you wrote this article brandon and just give us the gist of what the article was about well so a lot of this because uh, i feel like race swapping seems to be a hard topic for many people to talk about or at least explain why it's wrong because many will people will say oh well do you have a problem with you know a black or a mexican or you know asian person playing a white character why do you care so much and then that's where people are like well I, it's not that i care about that it's it's like well here's the issue that i have with it for one and i and this is voiced by eric july which i thought was really well put you know if you if you create a white character originally white you know you put it out there and it's and it becomes popular and you know everyone i knows that character is white which april o'neill is white has been ever since the first comics were written long 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 time ago um and she continued to be white yeah she went through various changes you know she went from being a a brunette to a ginger to auburn haired and all this stuff but she always kind of had that same kind of a basic look Everyone identifies April O'Neil as that. Now, all of a sudden, you want to say, oh, well, we're going to make her black for the purposes of diversity and inclusion. Um, but Eric, as Eric July once said, you know, well, everyone knows that character is white. Mm -hmm. This is a hand-me-down character. This is, this is giving black people sloppy seconds and expecting them to be happy about it and thankful and grateful. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can see myself on screen. Well, you know, that's not, in my opinion... That that to me, that whole I can see myself on screen thing doesn't really fly because, I mean, I grew up watching all sorts of different media from all sorts of different folks. You know, I grew up during the 90s when, you know, we had TGIF and Family Matters was on, which is one of my favorite shows. And I didn't have to see myself in that family to really connect with them. You know, um, I love the movie Friday. Mm hmm. I don't have to see a white person in there to like or identify with any of the characters in Friday. Um, I'm a huge fan of the show Bluey. I don't have to be a dog <laughs> to identify with any of the people in that show. You know, it, it's just, I think it's a real shallow take to say that you have to see your skin color. Mm. Now I'm not saying 
that you know it's it's you know every every person needs to be white you know that's dumb i of course i want diversity in in shows you know but i want a diversity that's purposeful and that's i want the diversity to make sense in the storyline not just shoehorned in there for the purposes of what people admit nowadays are political right that doesn't feel like pandering well since you brought it up i was going to save this for further down the road but one of the uh, parts of your article that i think i might disagree with is Mm -hmm. you you say that um you know it's not important people don't need to see themselves in a character and in the article you write here i'll just read what, what you wrote you say Sure. Uh, but people need to see themselves in a character. No, they don't. And it's a shallow person that does. Blade being Blade being black never decreased my appreciation for his vampire slaying, nor did it deter me from creating my own heroes based on his powers when I was young. Spawn was a black superhero that I thought was so cool. I would fantasize about having powers just like him. And I thought that was a really good point. But counterpoint i'll just play devil's advocate here i'm not even sure that i totally disagree with it but it was just something that that caught my eye and i i would counter with the fact i would say well maybe for you brandon it it would it does seem like you 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 don't need to see yourself in anybody but because because white culture is the norm you did see yourself in in everything it's it's like it's almost like when people say you don't need a dad to raise a, a a family. It's almost always people who have been raised with a dad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I did wonder, I'm like, well, maybe for Brandon, it feels this way because there were so many other representations. Whereas like, I can remember what a big deal it was when Blade came along. And there were a lot mm-hmm. more little black boys in the movie theater seeing Blade um when i i clearly remember this because i was uh, engaged to be married at the time my husband <laughs> is a very sensitive guy wanted to drag me to um how stella got her groove back and i wanted to go see blade and so we had a big argument about <laughs> which movie we were gonna go see <laughs> such a plot twist <laughs> That's such a bad twist. True. And, and he wanted to see the chick flick. Yes. Anybody who knows my my movie. husband knows that this is a, a dynamic <laughs> in our relationship. So um, but I do remember how that movie was so there were so many in particular black boys in our movie theater going to see right. Blade. And so for them, now I would I would I do wonder at the word important, like, is it important? Can they go on with their lives if they don't see it? Sure. And most of Mm -hmm. us did. I never really had a lot of black superheroes to look up to when I was growing up, but I wasn't like crying about it. I Mm -hmm. made believe playing other characters that were on the big screen and had just as much fun, I think. But um, what's your response to that? Or what do you think? I mean, look, I, I again, I think that it's cool that they have a, a diversity of characters that people can look to and say, hey, that's a black superhero. And I love the fact that that's a black superhero. My my problem comes when it's like, OK, it's the hand me down character. Why not create more black superheroes for these kids to look up to right. if, they, if they need that black superhero? You know, if they need that Hispanic superhero, if they need that Asian superhero, create them. It's not like, you know, and, and the the issue is that, you know, you when you create a good superhero at the end of the day, the color of the skin very rarely matters. Blade could have been Asian. 
Yeah, you yeah. actually say this in your in your piece. It's another thing that that tweaked me, caught my eye. You say it's really mm -hmm. not about race, but it's about how attractive your character is. And you didn't mean that in in the physical sense. But, you know, are you right. creating a character that's engaging? People aren't really looking at the race if the character right. is really engaging. And I think it's I really depth and relatability. Yes. Yeah, it's depth and relatability, you know, and, and in the article that you're quoting, I mean, I just literally right then and there off the top of my head just created a superhero that had you know from from el salvador that had flaws that had worries that had a you know a weakness and a lot of people and and i feel like modern writers don't understand this a lot of people what they really associate with isn't necessarily the physical traits what they associate with mm. is the is the struggle Mm -hmm. They associate with the the negative traits that a person might have to have or go through in order to like and conquer. You know, if Wolverine was this, you know, uh, upbeat guy that just, you know, he, he didn't have a problem in the world. He was super strong. You know, he dies and he comes back to life because that's who he is. Not as many people would have actually loved him. Now, you might say, well, Deadpool's that way, but also Deadpool has his own flaws, you know, like he is kind of a piece of crap. So, you know, every, every single one of these, these characters has these flaws and that's really what they identify with. I think that I've seen more black people identify with Wolverine, um, black men, they love Wolverine, mm -hmm. um, or Batman, you know, then, then I would say Deadpool or anything like that. They, these people want, and by these people, I don't mean black people. I just mean sure. all, every, all, everyone people. who enjoys superheroes. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, you know, they, they don't want to go out and just be catered to, you know, they want to witness the hero's journey. They want to see the struggle. And now look, it, it, I, I, I would love, and, and I think Eric July is doing this right now. I know I keep bringing him up, but it's true mm -hmm. with his ISOM comic books, you know, he's actually going out and creating black characters, you know, that people can relate to that doesn't dive into politics that isn't there for a political purpose. And, and if, you know, that helps black kids see like, Hey, you know, this is, this is a person I can relate to that. I am all about that by all means. But what modern writers need to stop doing is taking characters that were previously established as white and handing them to the black, Asian, Hispanic, native American community and saying, here, I just did you a favor by, uh, given you this hand me down. I wonder if part of the problem is because I have been thinking about this because this is it actually is something that bothers me. On the one hand, I do want to see as a as a as a retired actress who's sort of coming out of retirement now myself, I have had the the um frustration of you know, not being able to be cast because if there's one black person, then that's it. You know, all the black parts are being cast. Be the token. Yeah. And it, it's, it's changing obviously in a way that mm -hmm. is good for minority actors these days, but I do sympathize or empathize with that difficulty in the casting process being a minority. That being said, I hate the idea as a viewer of being pandered to like it, it takes mm -hmm. me out of the process. It drives me nuts. I feel like you're not, I feel like you haven't thought about the character. You're just thinking about pleasing whatever, like, yeah, like my progressive <clears throat> views you want to have like the, the, the rainbow in your, Right. in your character set and then that bleeds the the drama and the depth and i think a, a great example of this is velma the new velma 
um, show. You mentioned a little bit in your article, but I knew, Brandon, that was going to be, by the way, if you haven't watched Velma, it's on HBO. It's from Mindy Kaling, who's one of my favorite comedic writers and actresses of all time. She uh, played Kelly Kapoor, the Indian girl on The Office, and did so well in that amazing role. she wrote a lot of the office and went on to do her own projects uh, including the mindy project which i was a big fan of and um and i she created she did this sort of reimagining of the of scooby-doo through the eyes of velma and now velma is an indian bisexual i don't know neurodivergent thing and and everybody all the other characters that have sort of been flipped or race swapped or flipped on their heads you know and it, it's a darker version of scooby-doo which is on hbo okay i get that but i knew it was going to be trouble brandon when i saw her tweet about the writing staff for velma almost two years ago now she mm -hmm. was on a writer's retreat and she tweeted she had to delete it because people were giving her such crap for it she tweeted a picture of the, of their writer's retreat for an upcoming HBO project, which we didn't know what it was at the time, and it was all women. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> this is be I was like, this is going to be bad. a disaster. And it, and it is. And when I, I – it, it was literally unwatchable. And when I tried to watch it, it really was just about hitting these diversity benchmarks or trying to mm. shock you with the sexuality of these new characters – there was really nothing to hang on to there to enjoy. Right. It was, it was a, it was a shallow checklist that uh, the writers for, and, and Mandy and Kaling had for that show. It was just there to scratch the itch of a very small group of people, which is why it didn't work. But the funny part is the people that she thought that she was catering to didn't like it either. Right. Um, because there is no substance there. And that's, that's really the end result of a lot of the social justice pandering. It is a lack of substance. They're not writing characters. They're writing identities. You know, they're writing right. specifically for you to see yourself on screen. And then also, you know, and, and this happened with She-Hulk too. Mm. You had people come in and, and literally write stuff to uh, slap the face of, you know, white men. Well, that, um, that's another version of the race swapping issue, right? The gender swap mm -hmm. also. Same right. same thing. Same results. It's patronizing. Right. But I will say this. I mean, like, look, I, I, I can admit two things. One, it doesn't always not work. Sure. Um, yeah. For, for instance, I have to say this. There are two instances recently where a race and gender swap or, or, or and or gender swap happened. Um, for instance, in the movie Dune, um, whoever played the doctor, uh, oh God, now, now I'm on the spot. I can't remember the doctor's name. The, the doctor that greeted them in Dune and walked them around and was kind of like their liaison yes. between them and the, she was, or he was race swapped for a black woman. And I was like, this woman really played this, this really well. Mm -hmm. Like I actually, I was not taken out of it at all. And I, it was not that upset because i mean to be honest with you it didn't matter to me that character's identity did not matter that much to right me, you know um and so Plus, dune when, is based you, on a book and i don't know what the character's race in the book is the first movie may have had yeah. all white people but that's meaningless it's a book well that's the other thing i want to admit by the way i think that in the 80s and even in the early 90s there was a problem sure um, of course or, there was a problem. probably up until very recently through all of yeah. history of film history there was a problem absolutely oh yeah that's and i think that yeah. it, 
like one of my favorite directors, um, you know, he, he wrote all these great movies and, and, you know, these, this, these timeless classics, but he very rarely ever put a black character in his movies. And I'm talking about Ferris Bueller's day off, you know, John Hughes, um, John Hughes, yeah. Yeah, Ferris Bueller's day off breakfast club, yeah. uh, career opportunities. Like these, these movies almost never had any black people in them. And these are quintessential eighties movies. When you look back, you know, it's like, where do you see, you know, yourself, back then you know and i understand that as, as a as a person who was back then you know you probably weren't looking for kinds of movies from the mainstream at that time you know i mean you had the warriors and stuff like that yeah. there was plenty of black people don't don't get me wrong but they were never like front and center like they are today right but you know i i i feel like today the writers went overboard and now they're just you know like we're gonna create uh, these characters that were once white and, and just, you know, hope that that carries the movie. Well, it doesn't man, because you're still not creating a character. You're just, you're creating an identity. Right. I think that's a perfect way and to sure. put it. I, I, that you're creating an identity. I think back to even the, the most recent Charlie's angels movie that mm. um, Elizabeth, uh, what's her face did pitch perfect. And now cocaine bear. Uh, which we'll have to see. <laughs> um, she she wrote uh, this new Charlie's Angels, and it was going to be some kind of new Charlie's Angels for this new age. And so it had, it had Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks, thank you. Um, it had we're both forgetting. I know we're both. We have parent brain here. Um, it had Kristen Stewart in it from the Twilight series. It had a couple of other girls that are up and comers. You know, I think one's Hispanic, one's black, and then Kristen's a white girl. So they had the the rainbow there, and then um, but they were. It was like they were. It was girl power. They were so tough. They they could beat any perfect, man. Yeah, they were yeah. perfect shots. Uh, really strong really great at martial arts they were never really in danger because they mm. could do anything they were basically superheroes and it's like that's it's not smart everybody right yeah. and the movie flopped and of course elizabeth banks blamed that on sexism but that's not why people watched charlie's angels in the first right. place charlie's angels was it was a it was a chick fest it was you could see hot chicks you know doing roundhouse kicks and holding guns like badasses for an mm -hmm. hour a week, like it, you know, it's well, really changed the whole point of it and expected yeah. people to be enthralled with it. Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. 
You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, y'all. This is Allie Michelle. I'm a conservative social media influencer that has been censored by big tech. So I broke away from the restrictions and started a podcast called Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle. My show is a space to have real conversations about the issues that impact our everyday lives without the fear of being canceled by the big tech tyrants. Subscribe to Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle and FCB podcast on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Allie, A-L-I-I. Come check out my show. I'll see you there. I'll give you another example, which, you know, we, we go back to over and over again in the, uh, in, in the pop culture uh, community as a massive failure and, and uh, not where the problem started, but I think that it was one of the earlier, real early problems. Brie Larson and mm. Captain Marvel mm -hmm. was probably one of the most egregious uh, it wasn't even a race swap. I, mean, I guess technically you could consider it a race swap, but uh, it was probably one of the most egregious movies out there that really just lent, like it leaned real heavily on identity, mm -hmm. you know, of, of girl power. And, you know, then you had Brie Larson herself, you know, during the press junkets talking about how, you know, it, this movie isn't for white men. And she even said, I don't want white, you know, a, a whole bunch of white men at my press junkets anymore. And yada, yada, right. Yada. I don't want the, the, 
people who are going to be the biggest audience for this film coming for this film to be there. And, and you know what, the same thing happened with uh frost over at, you know, G4, she is like, well, you know, you don't have to be here for this one. All right. We won't be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you take out that element of only certain people are going to like this movie, because this is only for certain people, well, then you're going to see a lot of people depart and not watch that movie. I I think, yeah. And I think that again, it's pandering. I, I was trying to think of times when I don't care about the race swapping or the gender swapping or don't mind. I think every time it's just when we're paying attention to the character. I, there's a lot of people, I think not as many as the internet would have us believe, but there's a lot of people who are upset that the new live action little mermaid movie is going to be starring Haley, Haley Berry. Um, not Halle Berry, Haley Berry. <laughs> that confused the crap out of me the first few times I saw. That's just it. some black. <laughs> that's like, just some black mom. Wait, that's just some black mom what? whose last name was Berry and loved Halle Berry and was like, it's like oh, when, that's really oh yeah, totally. Yeah. When I was um, uh, when I had our after school program many years ago back in Gary, um, I had a whole generation of boys come through there named Denzel. It's just oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It just was one of those names. So I, I do believe there's a bunch of little black girls running around named Hallie, named, named Hallie or close to it. So she's Haley Berry. Anyway, beautiful young woman. She is a singer. I think she'll do fine. I have no idea. Um, I know there are some people who are upset about it, but to, to my mind, the Little Mermaid's a cartoon. And so it's not real anyways. So it could be a black girl or Asian girl. If she is good in the role and I'm mm-hmm. not having to field a whole bunch of of like subtle joke subtle jokes about race and gender and you just make it about mm-hmm. this character maybe i'm going to be okay with it one one character that i was looking online to see race swapping characters because i wanted to like bring up some examples to you like one character that i don't care about but someone like you might care about uh because you're very much into the comic book world um is Idris Elba's character in Thor was it Heimdall or Heim Heimdall, Heimdall. yeah um, that's a race did not... that's a race swap right. for those of you who don't oh, know absolutely. that's a race swap now me not knowing anything about Marvel comics and almost nothing about Thor except I would have been probably upset if they had race swapped Thor because I know him to be a Norse god but this guy right. I was like oh great you know I'll, I'll see anything Idris Elba's in and I love me some Idris Elba so I was like great it's great that Idris oh, yeah. Elba can get a part in a Marvel movie and I, I thought it was great his performance was great I haven't heard many people complain about it since the first film that's because if you if you I mean yeah it comes from Norse mythology but the way that Asgard is presented is it's an entire other world. You know, it's not like a specific community, mm-hmm. um, you know, of, of or, or a specific culture. Whereas, you know, um, if they had tried to race swap somebody in the 10 rings movie, yeah, that would have little, been a little strange for like a whole Asian Chinese village, ancient Chinese village that hasn't seen anyone for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, also had, you know, a black and Hispanic people in it. That would have been weird. Uh, Wakanda, if it, it's been isolationist for forever, of course it's going to have all black people. Why? Why would it have any white people? Right. There? Um, you know, so that made sense, and so Idris Elba did not bother me at all um, because it, it, if you're talking about an entire different universe, yeah, you know, yeah, where yeah. You, you probably would have that kind of diversity. You there, could, you know, it's not just a single community. Well, let me ask you about this then. Let's. Okay. Let's talk with something. I, I, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. 
huge. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Ride to watch um, the new series on Netflix, The Rings of Power. I found it to be unwatchable. One of the things that, and it's got a gender swap thing going on that is so annoying that uh, uh, she brings nothing to the table except that she's a woman who can now do no wrong. Every man is just the idiot. Are you talking about Galadriel? Yes. <laughs> she's, uh, it wasn't a, yeah, it wasn't a gender race swap. Galadriel's always been Yes, but the, to have a show centered around her, I guess, is my idea yeah. of the of being the gender swap. And um, well, but she was, anyways, she was this one-dimensional character yes. who's there to make every man just look like an idiot. But that's not what bothered me. What bothered me was that now, because we're 20 years past the original Lord of the Rings, which I, I think is still one of the best trilogies ever made in history. Mm -hmm. And there were no mm -hmm. black people in that movie. Um, and I think for obvious reasons, it's a fantasy film and it takes place in this very European ish world, which was built by J.R. Tolkien, who is European. And that was the world that he lived in. But this Rings of Power now has the whole rainbow, and I'm fine with it if I'm in a like you say if I'm in Wakanda, I don't expect to see Asian people in Wakanda, you know. But if right. but if I'm in some Hobbit village, no, I don't understand how you have one of everybody in this Hobbit village. It takes me out of the story yes. because I feel it's yes. so jarring to see all of these people of different races it in isolated areas. It doesn't. Even right. though it's a fantasy, I know it's a fantasy. There's still that part of me that it's like, this doesn't feel right. It feels shoehorned in. And these people are right. taking me out of the story. I don't know. Am I being right. too purist about it? No. So CNN even wrote an article. Uh, they, they interviewed me about it. And they were actually very fair about it. The writer was very fair about it. Because um, he had asked me, you know, because I had written this entire article about this very subject. Why do you not want to see uh you know anyone but white people in lord of the rings and i was like it's not that i don't want to just see white people in lord of the rings because in the lord of the rings there aren't just white people mm -hmm. there are white people in the in the area of land that tolkien had covered um but you know there are all sorts of the easterlings the southrons you know we know nothing about this these people right uh, because tolkien never really went too far into them but maybe if they really wanted to do something great they could have gone to and, and, and diverse. They could have gone to those lands. You know, it sounds to me like a lot of these people, like even the Easterlings, were either uh, you know a little bit, I want to say Indian, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, or you know maybe even they were a, of African descent a little bit. Who knows? We could have explored that, but they didn't explore that. They decided to go to Middle Earth and using the Silmarillion loosely, mm -hmm. very loosely, yeah. loosely. Um, they decided to insert modern politics and make it so that the, this, this realm that we know to be one thing into a completely different thing. And then told us that this is Canon. It's like, no, it's no, not. it's not. This isn't Canon at all. This is, this is, this is a, this is a checklist dressed as a movie or a, as a series. That's what this is. A checklist dressed as a series. It was beautifully. I mean, I mean, it, it looked great. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but you know, whenever you're talking about hobbits or elves or or the men of of the West and stuff like that, they were all white. That is how Tolkien wrote them. That is how Tolkien described them. 
You know, I mean, I, uh, the fact that they had black elves was like weird to me. Yes, me too. Because these, the the elves are primarily a nighttime species. Let's just look at this logically. If you are a night, <laughs> let's look at this fantasy like, log logically, everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's funny that yeah. you know, because you, you brought up bringing. Uh, no, I uh, I agree. And there are certain things. Yeah. That will bring you out of the story. These elves spent the vast majority of their time staring up at the night sky, you know, in this land that is very European in nature where, you know, white people tend to live. Mm -hmm. They are going to be pale. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very pale. You know, um, the, the one of the reasons that, you know, many black people got their melanin is because they lived in areas where there was a lot of sunlight. Right. You know? And the elves are sort of based on Nordic you know, Nordic looking cultures and even their elvish yeah. language is, it sounds very Nordic. It, you know, mm -hmm. it has those Nordic tones to it. I would expect that from the elves. Maybe there's right. a tribe of elves from Africa that, you know, like, then let's go there and yep. we can let's explore, yeah, let's explore there. Uh, let's explore. I, or like Game of Thrones. I didn't really, I, I didn't really watch Game of Thrones, but I, I read the books. And of course, mm -hmm. I've kept up with the series just because it's been such a culture, cultural phenomenon. But Game of Thrones, you know, everybody in that sort of main group is white, but they had there, there were other groups that would come in and it's like, okay, this group is from more southern climes they're darker you know this group is right. from eastern uh, the eastern areas of that fantasy world they're asian like you know and mm -hmm. and i bought that i don't need right. for all that of makes yeah, these people to be mixing um just because you feel like you got to get a quota in or you have to find a reason to cast minorities in this property because you want to make it so badly I think the bottom line is that you know when it feels political. Yeah. And you kind of get cheated out of the story whenever they shoehorn yes. politics, modern politics into a story. And, and you know, going back to something like Lord of the Rings or anything like that, like I, I would love to see more diversity in shows. I would love to get a story behind this diversity. What are these people why are they, you know, why do they believe what they do? Why is their culture the way that they are? How did they get to where they are today? These are stories that are getting left on the table because they're too busy shoehorning politics into what was a white story at originally. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you are not just robbing and I, I, you're, you're, you're stealing from one story and robbing an experience from a real world person. That kid that wants to see a black person in the theater, you know, why, why does he care if he can't get into the character? Mm -hmm. Why, why you, I mean, yeah. Okay. He sees himself on screen, but at the end of the day, he knows that this character doesn't make sense. It's kind of a dumb character. He doesn't pay any attention to it. And now he's, he's not in no longer into the franchise at all. Um, when you bring modern politics into the, into any world, you are going to have it obey the, the, the rules and laws of modernity. And I got to tell you, very few people I've, I've actually, the only people I've met that are really super into it are online, <laughs> but modernity very online is not fun. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not, it's not, it, 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 it has no substance to it. It's annoying. Many people block it out. Whenever somebody finds something that is actually full of substance, they just gravitate toward it. Like a, like a top gun Maverick or a Spider-Man far from home. Or I mentioned it earlier, a bluey. Yeah, it's a simple children's show that, like, it, um, uh, you know, up on redstate.com right now. Plug, um, you know, there, I wrote a a article about bluey 
because people are attacking it now. And I was very, very surprised because I didn't expect a lot of people to agree with me or even I, I expected a lot of people in the comments going, what the hell is Bluey? And why is he talking about a kid's <laughs> Bluey's show? a kid's show, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the comments were just so like, oh, my God, I'm a huge fan of Bluey. The show is the best. Like, I can't believe that it exists in modern era. And I'm like, I, I, I'm blown away. But they just gravitate toward it because it's mm. just something pure and it's real, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's what's missing from a lot of modern movie making today and a lot of modern writing, period. It's just not real anymore. And because it's not real, the characters that they that doesn't matter what identity they have, once they insert it into this this realm that you can't sink your teeth into and you can't get into, people just depart. Yeah. And all of your your attempts at you know catering to people and and you know, oh look, you can see you now falls flat. What does it matter if I can't get into the story? I think you make a good point. I think a good example of what you're talking about would be the the, the Ghostbusters remake 2016 mm, with yes. the all-female cast. Now, I see people dressed up as Ghostbusters still all the time at Halloween. Yes. I don't see people dressed up as the chick Ghostbusters, and I don't particularly see a lot of young girls dressing up as Melissa McCarthy's character in Ghostbusters. I would, <laughs> I don't even know her name in Ghostbusters. Um, and I, my daughter certainly has never been moved to, um, and that is because sure it was sure, I guess would it have been valuable for her to see herself as a girl in this cool, iconic role, I guess. But as you say, there was no substance to the role. The movie was pointless. The movie was empty. The movie was nothing mm -hmm. but a gender swap, but had no heart or soul of its own. And it was a flop because it was a terrible film. It, there was nobody yes. to really, there was nothing to really hang on to in that film and to really be invested in. And so it suffered at the box office because at the end of the day, it was a bad movie. If it had been it could have they it, again you just make a new movie you know it doesn't yeah, need exactly. to be this but still i get it making movies is risky these days the money ain't the same you got to you, you you need that nostalgia kick to bring people into the theaters fine but then if the story is gripping i think people are willing to be right there with you I think that you brought up a really good point there uh, with, with Ghostbusters 2016. And there's this one thing that somebody brought up and I can never get it out of my mind now. Um, Ghostbusters 2016 relied on the fact that it was politically charged. Yeah. They thought that doing that, and this is back, you know, when in 2016, when they thought that, you know, race swapping and gender swapping and doing all this was going to sell simply because Trump, you know, you were, you were doing this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anti-Trump, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the concern yeah. is, hey, it's gotta be good. <laughs> Um, there is a scene, a singular scene in Ghostbusters, the original, where they are sitting in an elevator talking to each other, uh, you know, and, and the, you know, I, I think it was Egon who was like, you know, now that I think about it, I never really tested these and I don't know if it's going to have any kind of negative, you know, whatever. I, I can't remember mm -hmm. the exact words, mm -hmm. but you know, it, it's like flip me on. And they flip them on and then just subtly they all just kind of step back in this elevator as far as they possibly can. It was a funny moment, brush aside, but funny moment, mm -hmm. you know, that really kind of defined who these characters were and like, you know, where it was just it was just one of those moments. In the 2016 Ghostbusters, they did that scene 
But instead, what they instead of just having that subtle humor that could just be dropped and left alone for in twenty seconds, spent, yeah, right. They spent eight minutes with uh, Melissa McCarthy, you know, doing this whole skit about oh, I'm going to test it for the da 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 da, and then they're just like, you know, she's trying to hold on to it, and oh, she's screaming, people are screaming, ah, you know, da 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 da, da and that went on for so long. And people were like, this, the, 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 I forget which guy said it, but he was like, it's one of those moments that you realize that they really did not try to put that much effort or heart, or they don't, you know, they, 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 they had no idea or, or care about subtlety. Mm -hmm. You know, what they just cared about was putting women on screen and making them do silly things. Yeah, they didn't write. Yeah, they didn't Expecting write. That yeah, work. they didn't write anything. Right. I know that commentary that's from the critical drinker on YouTube. And he was exactly right. You are exactly right. And mm -hmm. um it, and that is what he said. And he was so spot on with that. Um I remember hearing that and going, this is the difference between writing humor and depending on an identity to be mm -hmm. the humor we watched right. recently my family and i sat down to watch just a call back to the beginning of our conversation we we sat down to watch you people on netflix um mm -hmm. with eddie murphy jonah goldberg um i don't even know the girls julia louis dreyfus is in it but i don't know the main love interest i she's new to me um yeah. and anyways it was I've used this word several times tonight, unwatchable. And my 15-year-old daughter, you know, she'll watch anything. She'll sit in bed and watch TikTok for four hours. So she'll watch anything. And we were 15 minutes, 20 minutes into the movie, and she was like, I can't, I can't do this. This movie is awful. It was horrible. It was a lot of observational humor or what I, what I call like, oh, really humor, you know, like, mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. You're going to you're going to be like that, mom. You're going to be that racist or Julia Louis Dreyfus was just over the top with her white liberal guilt. And it just wasn't funny. It was so contrived or it's a bunch of people going, are you going to no? because I because I'll do this. No, no. If you want to do that, I'll no, no. OK, fine. No. Yeah. Well, just like stuff like that. Us watching Jonah Goldberg be. Uh, and it's not Jonah Goldberg. <laughs> That's a writer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I'm so I've got dad breathing so bad right now yeah. that I was like, yeah, that's yeah, Jonah Goldberg. What a oh, he's been horrible. Lately you know what movies. I mean? <laughs> it's uh, it's Jonah Hill. Hill, Hill, Hill. Um, I'm so sick of him. I'm so sick. I used to love him when he first came out, but I'm just so sick of the Jonah Me Hill too. shtick. And that's all it was was this Jonah Hill shtick. So we made it. 20 minutes even with eddie murphy it was just it just that's what breaks my heart because i love it yeah and he did his best but he just didn't have a lot to work with it was mostly just jonah hill being goofy and julia mm. louis dreyfus being goofy and so we turned right. it off we switched over to this movie called vengeance written by bj novak who um ironically is the oh, ex yeah. of mindy kaling he also wrote the office he was a producer on the office he is Mindy Kaling's writing partner to this day. Maybe her baby daddy. We don't know. Um, but he <laughs> he is, wrote this movie, this independent film called Vengeance. And it's really a film about podcasting. And it's a murder mystery. And it was brilliant. 
it was it was wonderful it was hilarious it was so um relatable it, the acting was amazing and my 15 year old daughter sat down and watched the whole thing with us and i was like that's the difference between a movie that has a center and a movie that's just relying on people reacting to each other right and that's that's a, a really good point yeah. a movie about people reacting to each other it's a cheat. That is so Yeah, good. that's a cheat. Yeah, it is a cheat. It is a cheat. You don't have to wow. write it. You don't have to have a good writer. You don't have to have a good script process. You put this goofball on screen. You're like, okay, go be a goofball. And that's only going to get you so far. Hey, everyone. Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and use my code, my code, JLTY50, and you'll get 50% off. That's code JLTY50 at factormeals.com to get 50 off. Eating better's never been easier. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey y'all. This is Allie Michelle. I'm a conservative social media influencer that has been censored by big tech. So I broke away from the restrictions and started a podcast called Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle. My show is a space to have real conversations about the issues that impact our everyday lives without the fear of being canceled 
by the big tech tyrants. Subscribe to Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle, an FCB podcast on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Allie, A-L-I-I. Come check out my show. I'll see you there. Do you think that a lot of it, and, and you know, I'd like to get your opinion on this. I feel like when it comes to writing today, it is, there is a complete absence. How do I say this? There's a complete absence of humanity because I feel sometimes like the writers don't know humanity or don't understand humanity. <laughs> um, they are so caught up in their own politics that they forget what people are like. Yeah. They have an idea in their head, like a filter that they, they see the world through that stops them from seeing other people for what they are and the struggles that they go through. And they focus squarely and intently on the message. Yes. Um, Sincerity is I, dead. I'm yeah, yeah. Something along those. Lines. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost kind of like you, yeah, like they've forgotten how to write people. Right. Because you know? every person has to be our message every person has to be yes. an idea not and that's what was right. so great about this movie vengeance it, it was really good i highly recommend it and and it was there and even in the beginning you think that he is going to go for these tropes of these it's about a new york city podcaster slash writer who goes to the small texas town to investigate right. the murder of this girl that he slept with once for a podcast right <laughs> he's just like i'm gonna make money mm -hmm. off this and he goes in there all judgmental, you know, guns blazing, so to speak. And you think that the movie's going that way with him, but it, it takes this whole other turn. He is not a caricature. Those people are not caricatures. Everybody has depth to it. Even Ashton Kutcher plays this very, um, like he, he plays this very uh, specific type of character in the film. And even he manages to bring this humanity to it that makes mm -hmm. you enjoy watching what he's doing. You think it's going to be this over-the-top insulting depiction, and it's not. It's It's got depth and, and relatability to it. And, yeah, that is missing because everybody has to have – like, I'll, I went I, – I, I made a movie, as you know. I made a short film called Minty. It's about uh, – it, you can find it on YouTube, by the way, people just search Minty Harriet Tubman movie. And it, I just I got some funding to do it. It's a fun little remake, a reimagining of Harriet Tubman as an action hero. And it's done or I attempted to do it. it's my first film. So it's not that great. But I attempted to do it in like a black exploitation style type of, mm -hmm. of thing. It was meant to be like a, a cute sort of send up of a more serious idea of freedom and this this freedom fight fighter we traditionally know so i got picked up for the black film festival in toronto that year that it came out so i went to the film festival and the day that it the slate that it premiered in it was like a two-hour slate of short films i sat in that theater and it was the only narrative short film of the whole slate it, I left that theater going, if I see one more damn short film about poli police brutality, I'm going to blow my <laughs> brains out. It, every movie was a message movie and they were all bad. And you know what? They all got standing yeah. ovations. They all yeah. won the prizes. Nobody cared about my, 
you know, irreverent take on this thing or the, that it was an action film. We, we had a fight sequence and we had comedy and nobody cared yeah. about that. The, the dumb movie that got the biggest reception was some idiot movie. It wasn't even by an American. It was by some Canadian white guy who was, you know, kvetching over black lives matter or whatever it was that was. And, and, it was a movie about him and his black girlfriend finding out they were pregnant, living in Canada and going, should we have this baby? Because even though we don't have the same issues with police brutality here in Canada, in America, they do. And it could come here someday. So this is an idea that we have to think about seriously. Like that was their big thing. What? <laughs> it was like that guy got a standing ovation. I got it. No, I, I don't. Here's the funny part. They got a standing ovation, but I don't believe it. I know. <laughs> right? Like, I think that they did that because they felt like they had to in that moment. But I bet everyone in that was like, damn, that Menti was actually pretty funny. <sighs> that was so, I just realized that the message took the backseat to the story. And that's what yeah. I realized going to that short film festival. If I wanted to have a short film that was going to make an impact on a festival circuit, it has to have a message. And even as a my son is in film in Chicago, he's studying film and as a as a young black man, um everything he submits has to be through this lens yeah. of race and when he wants to apply for a grant he has to have some kind of story about race and how it fits through this lens of race. And the message is second to his storytelling abilities. Which is so, that's shallow. Yeah, I'm boring. Yes, it, thank you. It's boring. <laughs> yeah. It is absolutely boring. I'm sorry. Even if, like, even if today they came out with a, you know, like, look, white people have gotten a really bad rep lately, but let me tell you how great white people are. And it's just nothing but the pro-white people messaging. I would get bored. Right. <laughs> I'd be bored. Right. What's the point? Okay, white people are great. Yeah, I know. I'm a white person. I'm pretty great. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to isolate that. And now I'm going to put that on Twitter tomorrow. Brandon <laughs> Morris. White people are great. I know I'm pretty great. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, but I mean, like, like what's the point? Of sitting there and, and, and mm -hmm. you know, stroking your own ego. I can't, act, I mean, it feels good for a minute, but after a while, I can't help but think that it turns you into a sour person because all of a sudden you're taking yourself so seriously. You become a sacred cow mm -hmm. in your own mind. Mm -hmm. And anything that is said against you or done against you is suddenly, it doesn't even matter if it's like against you, mm -hmm. against you. It's just something that might inconvenience you in the moment, or it's a hard truth that you have to swallow. Either way, you take it as an insult and something that you cannot tolerate and shouldn't be tolerated because mm -hmm. you're the greatest and you can't be talked to about like that. Or you're a victim, which is more, you know, uh, uh, this is mostly what's happening today. You're a victim and you can't be talked like that because if you're talked about like that, then, you know, it could invite violence. Right. Or, you know, you know, it, it could uh, knock you back down a few pegs in this society that already looks down on you. Uh, that, a After great a example of that type of director would be Ava DuVernay, who did a Ava DuVernay. who did um, she did sounds familiar. Yes, she did. Ugh, why can't it? It's not the wheel. It's not the wheel of time. That's the Amazon series. Uh, let me let me just look it up really quick here. Ava DuVernay. I'm on IMDb. 
Um, it was a big deal because it's a book that the kids always read. Oh, Wrinkle in Time. Um, oh, it was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, Oprah yeah. produced it. It was like the we were like right on the on the heels of this Me Too movement. Um, representation was starting to become a big thing. She'd done a few little things. She's up and comer. Oprah gives her this huge budget. She's never had a budget over a few hundred thousand dollars. Suddenly she's got like $30 million or something to make this epic story, which as enough becomes another race swap. Uh, um, and she blows it. The movie is incomprehensible. Not it's <laughs> not good. People don't go see it. And then she just goes on a victim tour for a year and talks about how people, you know, don't understand the work of a black woman. And it's because she's a black woman. It had nothing to do with the fact that the movie wasn't good. She didn't do it well. She probably shouldn't have had all this money um, and all this discretion with, with so little experience. Um, with mm. with big budget films, which is a whole different beast um, than small budget films, which is what she was used to. And it didn't mean she wasn't talented, but it meant and she tried something and that's great. But like the whole narrative became about how it, it's our fault that we, you know, right. it's the audience's fault, not her fault for making a crappy movie. It's our fault for not understanding her, I think, deep vision. Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman recently did something exactly like yes. that where they tried to make Santa Inc. Yes. You remember yes. that? And it was a complete and total disaster. It wasn't funny. It was Velma before it was Velma. Yeah. You know? And it's just like they they did the same thing. Well, you know, uh, the reason that people didn't like it is because they're anti-Semitic. Right. Uh, so all of America yeah. is anti-Semitic? You're going to tell me that every single person in America is racist and that's why we didn't get into your movie. It's because we're just a, an overall racist country. That is the most, that is the dump. We elected a black president. Also, Sarah Silverman and Seth Rogen are rich and famous. So yes. it's not like America was too anti-Semitic to make them to see rich their and famous. For a while. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's like, oh yeah. Suddenly we just, suddenly we no, just No, what you rich. did was terrible because it well, that was a message show. It was a, it was a girl power. It was about one of Santa's female elves who wanted to take over his position when he retired. And he just treated her like a dummy, like a dumb old woman, pat her on the head. You're just a girl. You mm -hmm. don't have anything to say. And we're well beyond that type of, misogyny these days I, the misogyny may exist but it rarely exists like that anymore and so to put that in a film it doesn't resonate you know right. and Correct. it was blatant and also just the tone was all off on it it was like half raunchy and half for kids so they didn't yeah. really it didn't work well i i will say i think that th you are correct there is there's definitely racism in america there's definitely sexism there's misogyny. There's all sorts of bigotry. Okay. Mm -hmm. it, it is here. Um, but I feel like you have the social justice community focusing on this because I mean, compared to the way the average person thinks, you know, racism is actually not, I would say not as big of a problem as they make it out to be. Like they want you to think that white supremacists are around every corner right. and the KKK is going to make a comeback. It's not. I have yet to meet one person in the KKK in my 40 years of life. <laughs> okay. I've met racists. Don't get me wrong, uh -huh. but they're, they're always idiots. Yeah. I've, I've literally met one person, one person who is pro Nazi in my entire life. <laughs> and, and I mean, in person, I don't mean just on the yeah. internet where I don't believe anybody, but you know, 
one person. And, and what the issue is, is that you have these people who are convinced, especially in Hollywood, you know, where this bubble exists, they're convinced that this is a serious issue that plagues middle America, a middle America that they know nothing about. Yeah, right. Rarely right. Do, that they, they very Fly rarely converse with people in. Exactly. Um, Seth Rogen and I actually got into an argument. I remember over- this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's like, well, I, I know you. It's like, like, you, you think I don't know anything about, you know, y'all I'd like, I never talked to y'all. Da, 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 da. I'm like, you don't talk to us enough apparently. Right. Because if you did, you would know that these people that you think are very real and very problematic and so widespread across America are a tiny, tiny, tiny minority. I don't know where, where he would have even come into contact with those people. Seth Rogen has gone from being a spoiled kid in on the west coast of canada to a spoiled kid Mm -hmm. on the west coast of the united states he was a star (laughs) almost the moment he landed here and so he he was he's been in a bubble since he's been working in america and that's the problem it's the bubble yeah so i don't know where he thinks he's met all these midwesterners and he's just had this normal american life he's never had a normal american life he was just making all that up yeah right i know i think you're correct and 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 i and and i want to say that like you know these like they, the, the, you know, I brought up the fact that they had no longer have, are, are capable of writing humanity. It's because they haven't experienced it. Yeah, that's I think a that good point. Yeah, yeah, I think they've they've been in their bubble. Yeah. I think that they've lived a certain kind of lifestyle, or if they did live a certain kind of lifestyle, like hours before that, they've long forgotten it. You know, uh, uh, I mean, you know, fame can. And who was it recently who said that it was? Uh, it was Woody Harrelson. Yeah. It's like fame can do some really weird stuff to your brain and you got to keep yourself grounded Yeah, or else you're going to lose it. Anthony Hopkins uh, admitted, he's like, why, why is why would anyone listen to me? I'm a celebrity. I'm an idiot. Yeah. You I know? mean, I remember and, Denzel Washington saying, uh, get your family first before you get famous. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. He's like, is you know, Denzel Washington is, to keep you grounded? Oh yeah. Denzel Washington uh, has actually had, he's a, he's, he's a very wise man. He doesn't really get enough credit for that. I feel like he has said some stuff in the past where I'm just like, damn, he's very wise. <laughs> I don't know that he's father of the years. Kids sort of resent him. So I think uh, we'd be, oh, we do well not to lionize Denzel Washington as some kind of saint, but he is a very that's wise sad. man. <laughs> I, always thought, I always thought he was like, man, that's so No, cool. Denzel's so cool. got like, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, like he probably See, has had a mistress know. for 40 years. Yeah, like he's got Damn. a whole other thing going on. You should listen to his son, John David Washington, talk about him from time to time. It's very illuminating. Any, that will break my It will. Don't now. do it. Uh, but anyways, but I'm with you. I mean, I love me some Denzel. I'm always team Denzel. Got to start wrapping up here soon, but I do want to bring up this other thing that in this conversation well two other things we'll try to get them in quickly so one of the things in the race swapping conversation just kind of calling back to our conversation about how it feels like a cheat right you're cheating black Mm -hmm. actors you're cheating black creators out of out of original content you know you're giving them warned over products so we're always having this discussion about james bond right like who's james bond gonna be black and could it be idris elba (laughs) which is like stop making idris elba all the things i love idris elba but there's like probably another idris elba out there who could use a paycheck you know like go get that Mm -hmm. guy but uh and he's too old now anyways even if we were going to do that that being said again my thing is like 
even as a black person, I don't need to see James Bond be black. I don't think of him as black. I think of him as a white Scottish guy. That's how he was written. Mm-hmm. I think his family might even the the family of Ian Fleming who wrote the series might even have some kind of um copyright on the race of the character. But um, you know, it the that but the world of 007 is so big now. You don't need to race swap James Bond. That does feel patronizing. You can bring in new characters that become yes. their own and grab their own audiences and become their. And what it makes me think of, I had this written down in my notes, and I want to get get your take on it. Did you see No Time to Die? Do you see the last? I did. So when they brought in the new 007, and this is sort of a what well, was definitely a gimmick. They brought in yeah. this black actress to play 007. They strip Bond. Spoilers, everyone. But if you haven't seen it by now, it's your fault. They strip Bond of his 007 moniker. They give it to this black woman. She runs around as 007 for 30, 40 minutes of the movie. And then she gives it back to James Bond. And he has 007 to, to finish out the film. And ultimately, the series for Daniel Craig. It was totally pointless, added nothing to the movie. It was only a reason to make a black woman a 007 for a hot minute. But aren't there 004s? Aren't there 005s? Aren't there 008s? Like, there are other designations in this universe that you can give to her where you you could be potentially setting up a franchise, a spin-off. Yes. And instead, they cheapened it to this thing that added nothing to the movie, she annoyed me to no end. In fact, she made me want to go see more of Ana de Armas. Oh, I'm glad like, you said that. Okay, because that's what I was that. about to bring up. So that, to me, that entire movie was, I mean, don't get me wrong. It had its moments. Uh-huh. And it, actually, the ending was kind of touching. But I was like, man, the standout person to me throughout that entire movie was Ana oh, de Armas. Oh, yes. Arna Deramis played a character that was believable and it was, she was fun. Engaging. To, to, yes. Yes. Like every time she was on screen, she stole. Oh, I scene. wanted to see more of her. And I'm like a fat old housewife. I'm jealous of those chicks. And even I was like, <laughs> I want to see more of her. Yeah. Yes. She was so um, uh, energetic. She, and she did something very similar in, uh, I don't know if you've, it's on Netflix. It's called the gray man. I didn't um, watch it. No. Okay. So the gray man is also kind of like a spy flick ish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ana de Armas plays the backup. She works for the CIA and she is almost kind of a more serious version of what she played in, in uh, no time to mm-hmm. die. But I loved her character in both of those. She's a great action heroine. Believe it or oh, yeah, not. Yeah. She does. She she can actually do it, and and I she makes it believable to me, and especially like in the, in the Gray Man, one of the things I really just I, I I can't wrap my head around it. It's you know these eighty pound women beating up these two hundred pound men. Right. Um, in the sh- in, in you know in the Gray Man and in No Time to Die, I feel like they gave her the ability to fight, but she never does it to a point where you're like that's not right. Me. She's not know. like lifting a two hundred man. Right, exactly. Or roundhousing or or decking a guy like, yeah, that's twice her size. Right, pushing him. him. Yeah, no, it's it's using her body and the tools that she has around her in in a clever way. 
And in the gray man, she actually, sorry for the spoiler a little bit, but she ends up fighting one of the bad guys in a hand-to-hand combat in hand-to-hand combat. And she loses. She loses because she can't overcome a guy that is obviously far stronger and faster and more talented than she is. Yeah. You know? And I think that that's like that to me made me like her even more. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. this is a, this is a, 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 wow. Oh God. I hope that she's okay. I hope that she can come back from There's this. There's a I vulnerability can, you know... there, but when you're yes. casting for the message, you, what happens is writers and directors always remove the vulnerability. So going back to the, Bobo 007 that got you know shoehorned <laughs> into the middle of the movie for no reason. She was invincible. Right. She was literally invincible. She might as well right. have been a superhero. She did everything twice as good as James Bond. James Bond. She was better than James yeah. freaking Bond, which is not okay. You don't want anyone else in your movies to be better than James Bond. Right. That's not how it worked. She was better. She was smarter. She was faster. She knew what to do. She she was she wasn't gonna there's no stakes you never thought she was gonna die you never thought she was gonna mess up she was completely uninteresting no 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 shade on this actress she took a job and i hope she got paid well for for it but the the character was pointless useless in the movie yes and insulting that she was put in there you nailed it earlier yes just to give us the satisfaction of saying oh look for 40 minutes we had a black woman 007 and here's another example brandon that i know you'll get <laughs> um what's her face little uh, kelly tran from um star wars from the, the oh last... i felt so bad for yes her, but yeah from the last jedi yeah. not her yeah, fault she, she was... was excoriated yeah. by the star wars audience but the character deserved to be it was shoehorned in yes. because that movie came out right when we were worried about Asian representation. Remember when we went through that little mm. period where yep. uh, like, uh, sorry, yep. Asians, we, that came and went so fast. I'm sorry for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really like it came and went so fast and y'all deserved better. I do believe that being said, it again, <laughs> it was a character that was shoehorned into this movie that was already problematic for star Wars fans in so many ways. So it was already taking a departure from what we expected. And then it was just like, here's this Asian girl. She is going to be the star simply because of the box she ticks off and nothing else. Yeah. And it ruined it. Right. And that's that's another example of, and I, and I use this phrase in my writing about this exact problem all the time. You know, whenever you bring American politics, you know, into Star Wars, which is what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make the galaxy that's far, far away feel too close to home. Mm, that's good. You so know, true. you can't have a fantasy that about space wizards and, you know, forces and, and, you know, evil empires and all this stuff. And then, you know, boil it down. And, and it is this grand epic universe and then boil it down to a modern political issue. Yeah. That is not going to fly. It's not going to sell. You are cheating people out of not just a, a great cinematic experience. You are cheating people out of escapism. They don't go to Star Wars to hear right. about modern politics and get preached at right. by a group of people who have no business preaching at anybody ever. They go there because they want to get away for a little bit mm-hmm. and go to a whole different world with a whole different set of problems that are solved in creative and interesting ways. That's that's what they that's what they're there Bingo. for. Bingo. All right. I'm 
I'm not there to watch Kelly Tran play an Asian character to check a box. Yeah. And then that character was literally just written on the fly and just shoved into this movie. Yeah. And then written off. (laughs) And it was, it was just so insulting. And then it was more insulting that again, we were blamed as the audience for not accepting that character when it had nothing to do with the universe. And then there was also just all the problems of Ryan Johnson and how he completely and Kathleen Kennedy and how they destroyed that's a podcast podcast in itself (laughs) Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about just briefly was um, you know again in that respect like I don't need Bond to be black Um, there are properties that could like Alex Cross is a great um, detective a book detective that Tyler Perry Mm -hmm ruined by playing he got the rights to the alex cross series and then made the mistake of playing alex cross in the only alex cross movie that got made before that was morgan freeman he it was Mm -hmm. along came a spider and kissed the girls um and those were two very popular movie in the in the 90s and early 2000s and it could have been a bond like series where you just switch swap out leading actors but Mm-hmm. um tyler perry ruined that anyway there are my point is is that there are properties to do this with but here's the other thing that i want to ask you about what's your opinion on race blind casting so not just race swapping but for instance doing a period piece where like a jody turner smith is a black actress I believe she's British and she's been cast to play or has, I think the movie's coming on a Catherine or, or Queen Elizabeth I think in, mm-hmm. in some movie and, um, or like Anne Boleyn, you mean? Anne Boleyn. That it was, was it. Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? I think that there are two examples, one where it works and one where it doesn't work. I think that the, this in particular does not work Mm -hmm. because everyone knows that Anne Boleyn is white. Everyone knows that it was a European story and people are saying, Oh, well, you know, this European story is no longer belonging to Europeans. It belongs to everybody. Okay. Well then guess what? All of the African stories that, you know, center around African uh, chiefs or royalty or anything like that now belongs to Europeans too. Uh, You know, it's only fair. Mm -hmm. No, that would not be allowed. They would, that would, they would, people would lose their damn minds. right? Right. So it doesn't work there. However, I will say there are times when it does work. There's a Netflix show, um, and I'm trying to remember the name of it now. And like girls were super, super into it. My wife and I watched it. Bridgerton. Yeah. It it works for Bridgerton. uh, Because that is a, yeah, it's a period piece. Yeah, it takes place in Europe. That's a little tongue in cheek. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily like a, they're not worried about correct timelines there. You know, there's no like yeah. there's no historical accuracy here. It's a it's a story about a Victorian era. Right. Where, yeah. you know, you have all sorts of different races. You know, the queen is black. OK, mm-hmm. cool. Who cares? Right. You know, it's like, not relevant. Nobody cares. It's a, it's a soap no, opera. Her, right. her race isn't relevant. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, it's, yeah. it's fun to, you know, kind of imagine that, you know, uh, one of the Victorian love interest is an Indian woman in the second season. It's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. That, that, I, I don't care. It, it works for me. It works for the audience. It works for the story. Great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, the, the first season was really saucy because they had, uh, actually the guy from the gray man is in it. Um, 
you know, it was a love story between a count who had a very interesting backstory. His father was a complete piece of crap. His mother died. You know, he was raised by this very elegant and very wise. She's my favorite character in the entire story. It's <laughs> like noble woman who's very, you know, she's very savvy societally, you know, uh, and she's a black woman. And it's like that nothing, none of that actually bothered me. Yeah. And it shouldn't bother me because like, why, why should I care in this specific world? It works. Right. But in the real world, no, this does not work. Sure. So I, yeah, I don't agree with casting Anne Boleyn as a black woman because Anne Boleyn wasn't a black woman. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? And it takes me out of the story. Sometimes they do that for artistic purposes too. How does the story change if we look at her from, I know as an, I always say this too, I don't get too caught up in race blind casting because in the theater you, you have to, if you want to do the classics and you're a minority actor, the only way for a minority actor to be in any classics is for the the show to race bend right you have to mm-hmm. um and theater's different Which is fine. i went to broadway and i actually saw uh phantom of the opera and the phantom was black yeah like, theaters didn't bother me at theater's all theater's different too because you know? like, you're already yeah, engaging your yeah. imagination right you're already right. you you're you're already you're the fourth wall so you're there's already a lot of stuff you're already imagining and making up for with your imagination right. so you know flipping out race isn't that crazy to, to do right. that with as well. I was one of the few people, like one of the few conservatives who actually watched Hamilton and was like, okay, you know, like I don't care about the race. Swap. Yeah, no. And then like, everybody I, loved Hamilton when they watched it. Anyways, I haven't met a single person yeah, who, who saw it, who didn't love it. Anyways, right. once they it's saw so. it. Well, I, I think, um, and let's not forget that race swapping doesn't go just one way. Uh, minorities mm-hmm. have had to endure race swapping over sure. the years forever right the one i'm thinking of is avatar um the the m night oh, oh god that was egregious <laughs> we're switching egregious. out the asian characters for white kids or yeah. like dragon ball z you know i can oh, remember god. like look my kid loved dragon ball z horrible. i can remember looking forward to that live action remake and it was this white they replaced all the asian characters with white kids dog water it was dog horrible water. so you know, minorities have had to see this happen over and over again to their beloved characters over the years, um, yeah. thanks to some sketch Hollywood folks. But I think the problem remains the same, is that the the end result is insincere and people don't like it. No, it's true. Yeah. You and, 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 and I know you're trying to wrap it up, but I want to make a that point about Dragon Ball, you know, which was a Goku was a, a white American kid. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. It didn't work. It completely took me out of the story yeah. because Goku is not a white American high school student. Yeah. He is a alien. It was a bizarre. You know, it, it's just, yeah, it was the most so bizarre. Dumb. What was the other one? I'm thinking of the Scarlett Johansson one. Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. yeah. Again, a movie that, that, that was, that was a total flop, right? They raced, yep. they flipped out the race um and it and it wasn't sincere it wasn't sincere right. and so not even scarlett johansson who was at the peak of her right. box office powers um could save that movie so i think in the end um it does come back to bite you most of the time all right we've oh, we've been cool. doing this long enough i could 
you know do a whole other hour totally yeah, we- <laughs> uh, like there's so i have still have stuff in my notes i didn't even bring up but maybe we'll do a part two of this down the road yeah if you're i game. would love to i love these kinds of conversations i had one with jeff as well oh um, jeff charles kind of yeah yeah He's on this network yeah, we, as well and i talked about uh race and stuff so well you can hear jeff charles's show a fresh perspective right here on the fcb radio network as well when he's doing it he's been a little awol lately jeff your producer called he wants you to put in a fresh show and fresh perspective <laughs> <laughs> brandon tell everybody where they can find your stuff uh you can find me on red state naturally uh you can find also go to red state's youtube um i'm i'm trying to get back into i i I had a kid, so I stopped making videos. Excuses, I was excuses. Videos. I know, <laughs> such a stupid, dumb thing. To I know. Blame. Oh. I'm blaming a baby. Oh, baby, um. I have a human being to keep alive. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I definitely want to get back into making videos because it's my passion. Um, I love doing that. But also, uh, oh, oh, at the Brandon Morse on Twitter. But also, if you're looking for some non-political, mostly non-political. Mm-hmm just kind of having a good time relaxing having a good conversation funny stuff twitch.tv slash the morse code uh it's it's actually one of the things i'm most proud of i love that channel i love the audience the community that i've created around it come check it out twitch.tv slash the morse code i love it well thank you so much brandon and thank you everybody for tuning in today don't forget to go buy my book available on amazon drawing lines why conservatives must begin to battle fiercely in the arena of ideas and uh don't forget to check out my other rebooted podcast how inappropriate brandon's been on the original version of how inappropriate Mm -hmm. Uh, and so now that I've rebooted it, I'll have to have him back for another movie. Um, and then you can listen to Amelia and I break down Hallmark movies on a very merry podcast. We'll see you all next time. And until we see you again, remember every once in a while, just stop and listen to yourself. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't stay, then we won't stay. All we got is us, no one can take that away. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't lose faith and we won't lose faith. All we got is us, no one can take that away. So don't lose faith, it's gonna be okay. This has been a presentation of the FCB Podcast Network, where real talk lives. Visit us online at fcbpodcasts.com.